Are you ready for your trip through the spiritual world? I guess. You know, it's been a long time since, uh, you know, it's the year 2087. And I've been trying to contact my grandmother or trying to figure out where she's she's been. So this is very meaningful to me. So, yes, I'm ready to engage. All right. Take my hand. Okay. Spirits of the world beyond, we ask for your assistance. Come and answer the questions of this young man. <laughs> oh my god, it's her! <sighs> What's, What's up? up? <sighs> now tell us, what is it like in the afterlife? It's pretty chill, pretty chill man. man. Can't, Can't complain, complain too, much. too much. Is there anything you miss about being alive? <sighs> That's a, That's good, a good question. question. Things, were, Things pretty were pretty shitty, shitty back, back then. then. Some of Some it of anyway. It anyway. <sighs> you know you what? Know what? I, really I really miss, miss avocado, avocado toast. toast. And... and Frappuccinos. Frappuccinos. Expensive, Expensive coffee. coffee. I'm feeling it. Let's do it. Moose crossings, red hot dogs, missing persons in salty bugs. Up to camp with Stephen King. River curses, Wesley he sings. Homegrown horror. Hello. Welcome to Homegrown Spooky podcast about main spooky things, horror, murder, true crime, all that juicy stuff. I'm Jackson, the co-host. And be a co-host. Welcome. We uh, took a little bit of a break, uh, but it's good to be in the spooky season. It's spooky season. I know it's officially October. I'm so excited. Uh, I actually am pretty excited about. It. I love this time of year. This is <laughs> one of my favorites. Besides, once it gets like really deep into winter. Uh, this is the lead up to winter. You love deep winter. I love deep winter. Oh God! I love, uh, but I love fall. It's the foreplay of winter. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like winter. Uh, I hope to actually engage in winter activities this year because last year was kind of bust. Yeah, it was a mild so, winter. Yeah, I know. One of the things I really want to do this year is I would like to um, go snowshoeing. Snowshoeing, really? Yeah, I did, I did snowshoeing. We that's one of the things that we do here in Maine in elementary school as right. part of gym class. But my grandmother also snowshoes, so I was like, I remember I do you it. mentioning some of your snowshoe ambitions before. Yeah, so, I think I may have. Yes. Well, okay. I have a question then uh -huh. on snowshoeing. I might have asked it before. So, like, what's the goal? <laughs> it's it's walking. Wa yeah, I know it's walking. <laughs> you could do that without shovels on your feet yeah but then so the thing about snowshoeing is then you can go places that you can't get like if there is a lot of snow so it's like you can displace enough weight to be on top of the snow correct and, and not, that's the excitement yes instead of regular walking in snow like across a field is like trudging <laughs> through like you go in that's true i guess it's more arduous that way yeah. I don't know. It's like I've tried snowshoes on before. I remember walking in a field with my mom and being like, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's something I would like to do. I don't have a lot of enjoyment around winter, so I would like to try things that may... Like, I don't ski. We've I've mentioned this before. I don't ski. Um, you do. <laughs> um, so there are 
like some winter activities that I want to try that are like, you know, that could bring me enjoyment. We should go tubing. <gasps> That'd be a lot of yes, fun. Yes, we should go tubing. And it's so easy. You're not going to go like flying off in a random direction. So I love tubing. There's a place in Sebae, uh, um, in, in, it's called Sebago Seacoast Fun Park. That's what it's called. It's Seacoast uh-huh. Fun Park in Wyndham, which is near Sebago. But you, they have a hill and then you like, you get on a, a, a thing and it brings you up back up the hill. So you don't even have to walk back up the hill. Gotcha. Wow. It's really cool. It's great. <laughs> cool. I think I've wanted to do it, but Allegra's always like, no, but this year I have someone who wants to go. So before we get into like sort of what's going on, I did want to mention, cause I had posted about it on our Instagram. Um, but there was a, um, young boy who was missing from Freeport. His name was Theo Ferrara and they have found his body. Right. And I just wanted to mention it because I had been posting some updates on the, the Instagram. And so, I think that I just wanted to sort of give it closure here for those of you who didn't see, but it's very sad and yeah, it's awful. Freeport, we... Freeport has um, a lot of programs right now for people who are experiencing grief, right? Um, because they've also had some other losses in the community as well. So if you are part of that community, know that there are resources available. Yep. So I, that's sort of what's going on here in Maine. But how was your week, Ben? It's been fine. I went to Connecticut. Don't recommend it. You said that. That's the exact same thing keeps, you said last time. It keeps bringing me back. <laughs> I can't stop it. Uh, yeah, I went to go visit my friend. And I had more fun, I think, this time seeing him than last time. But, you know, Connecticut is a it's- weirdly depressing place. If you're from there, I'm sorry, but you probably understand. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, how's your week? <laughs> My week has been very like it's been long already. It's only Tuesday. Right. <laughs> but I felt like the weekend was way too short, but I did get to see my niece, which was nice. Got to play with her. You always have a blast with your niece. I do, but like I've been so tired, so we ended up leaving a little earlier than gotcha. planned. She was fine. She's very, she sucked it, you know, sucked it up. You texted me and said, she's trying to kill me. She's trying to kill me. (laughs) But we also found out that, so she ended up in the ER Mm. with nursemaid's elbow. What, what is that? Long story short, she fell off a couch and they had to pop her her elbow back into place. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) And it gave me big Allegra vibes because Allegra broke both of her arms within like a year span when she was a child. Yeah. And like one of them, she was out roller skating and she fell on her arm and then got back up and was like, I'm fine. (laughs) Then she fell again on the same arm, got back up and she was like. I'm less fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've never broken a bone. Neither have I. Wow. Yeah. Talk to her. Babies, she's right? done, yeah. <laughs> she's broken too. But it, gave, it reminded me of that. She's a tenacious little tot. But um, I also wanted to share. So I did write that uh, wiffle ball poem for my uncle. Oh, yes. And I have forgotten to mention it. <laughs> so I wanted to read you my poem before I tell you, an- before I... Weave you another yarn. Just to, for this okay, week. but before we get into that, just for the people that don't remember, quickly yeah. reiterate so why you wrote this poem. My uncle won a, a wiffle ball tournament and was like, I want a poem to gloat? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> 
There was a lot yeah. of controversy in his past year. He got fined or no, removed so from the like, series so or something. He was, so he's been doing this for four years and he got suspended last year and okay. then came back to win yeah. the tournament this year. A lot of controversy within this wiffle ball league about this. So I wrote a poem for him and just so you all know, he loved it and I hope you do too. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Four years in the making, a championship made for the taking, a love of the game, a quick taste of wiffle ball fame. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. Built a team that's top tier. To fight and to win, my story is just about to begin. The thrill of victory, it's no mystery. I don't mean to gloat, but I think my my team might be the GOAT. No fear, I'll protect my title next year. (laughs) <laughs> damn that's funny i, would also, I like that i like I have, that i've actually fun fact uh in middle school i've actually won like poetry contests <laughs> so i'm like yeah <laughs> breaking that back out <laughs> so yeah he loved it i'm glad that yeah. was really good i like okay i also like uh last time we were talking about this i was just like i was curious what kind of angle you were going and i was curious mm-hmm. how mean you were gonna get oh no this was very tasteful thank and you Sort of a, oh, sort yeah, of a like, yeah. it felt more like a victory lap than a rub it in your face kind and of situation. And that's what I was, that's what I was going for. Because he just wanted to kind of, he wanted to be cheeky. Yeah. Kind of make people laugh, maybe loosen it up. Yeah. Like this is the icebreaker kind of thing. I would have been mean as hell. I so know. Congratulations. You yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you another story today that I suppose is like. The wiffle ball of murders? Yeah. Well, is it murder? Well, here's, it's not murder, number one. Okay. Well, okay. is it? Is I don't it? know we'll what we're there. talking about today. Um, the other thing that's also really fun is I have a contribution from my wife today. Hell yeah. Because she has a vest, she has an interest in one of the things I'll be talking about. You're about to say a vested interest. So she's a stakeholder <laughs> <Yes>. in this. <laughs> she's a stakeholder in this thing we're about to talk about. Okay, good. So this all began... When I was I was researching and I found this only in your state article that has there have been some good ones yes, from this website. Yes, yeah. and so this is don't discount these five local ghost stories until you've explored the twin villages in Maine yourself. Ooh, okay, twin villages. Yes. So, so we are going to Dam Damariscotta. Damariscotta. We're going to Damariscotta, and so. In Damariscotta, there is a family that is was very well known there. They were one of the founding families in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. They are the Howes. They have had some other um, famous people come from this family. That's how I wanted to say this. The Howe family is full of legendary folks. Including Elias Howe, who invented America's first lock-stitch sewing machine. Ooh, okay. You're a bit of a seamstress yourself. Yeah, so that's why I was like, this is exciting. What is the lock-stitch sewing machine? I don't actually know. So the way that sewing machines... Do you really want me to tell you what sewing machines do? I I know what sewing (laughs) machines do. I have sewed before. What is there significance to lock stitch? It says, is it the automatic one or uh, whatever? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, so- <laughs> y'all can look it up. B doesn't want me to waste time with this. <laughs> they also founded the Wayside Inn in Sudbury, Massachusetts, and that was later restored by Henry Ford. 
So they have, you know. Who's Ford? Just kidding. Like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> so not only are they in this this the Massachusetts area, but a part of a part of the family moved up to Demariscotta around the War of 1812. And Colonel Joel Howe oh, okay. is the one that he he moved up here and he started the Howe House Inn, which was a stagecoach tavern. And oh, sick! So they, which is still standing. Really? Yes. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh so it God. is still standing, and we will get to that. So put a put a nice little. In that. We're putting a pin in it. Put a pin in it. So he had nine children. Prolific. So many kids, including Mary Howe, mm-hmm. who she was the youngest, I believe, and she had a very particular interest. What do you think it is? I think I already know what it is, so I'm going to pretend that it's sewing. <laughs> it is not sewing. Okay. Her and her older brother, Edwin, were extremely interested in communicating with the dead. Ooh, very cool. So the Ouija t- boards and all that kind of thing. Yes. A little so- Aleister Crowley on the side, or is Aleister Crowley later? I think he, he's later. Right. Him and his weird fingernails. Okay. So the two of them, and here's a nice little photo for you. The two of them. The fuck is this? <laughs> That's so a... this is Edwin and Mary? No, these are ghosts. Oh, these are, what? <laughs> so they, not only did they want to communicate with the dead, but the two of them joined the prolific religion of American spiritualism. Very fascinating. Are you familiar with spiritualism in any way, shape, or form? Only in passing, I never really dove into it, but there was an upswing of it, like an early history of America. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, I think it kind of like came from even early settlers in a way, but like as far as its formation and how popular it is, no idea. So I'm going to give you a background. Allegra's given me some information and I'm going to give you some background on this because I believe that this is important to Mary Howe's story. Okay. Yeah. I'm into this. Okay. I like it. So this is, comes from my wife, Allegra, because she has an interest in American spiritualism. Check out the Forest Bath podcast by Allegra. Yeah. <laughs> the American spiritualist movement came alive in the mid 1800s and it consisted of a lot of people they would meet for seances in people's homes or in community buildings. The idea was they wanted to make contact with their loved ones. Allegra says, one stray thought. Could this be partly why we see so many spirits from this particular time period? Old homes, Victorian era ghosts are usually the most commonly seen during investigations. More than modern day spirits, could it be that these spiritualists thin the veil so much during their time that it is easier to come into contact with this time period versus others? I always felt like when it comes to spirits, at least this is my thought of like the idea of spirits. I don't really believe in ghosts, mm-hmm. um, but th- it's always a, a sense of strong emotions. Yes. Those Victorian area folks are a bunch of moody motherfuckers. <laughs> so I feel like if there are ever to be ghosts that are most persistent, it's going to be the Victorian guys, Victorian folks, because like, yep, Gilded Age, bad time to be it's alive. Like, I it's think all it, that lead and mercury. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Give it 50 fucking years. There's going to be a bunch of millennials and like (laughs) millennial ghosts 
with their fucking uh, beanie caps. And it's just going to be like, places. have you seen my vape? <laughs> my vape. My vape. <laughs> my cruelty-free deodorants. <laughs> so part of the reason why it became popular in the 18th century rather, or the, the 1800s, sorry, rather than earlier centuries is because we see in the 16th and 17th centuries, they're primarily dominated by puritanical forms of drastic Christian dogma, lots of fear around death and the occult. Uh, one thing that's actually really funny is, so my grandmother is Catholic mm-hmm. and her mother just casually had a Ouija board. Hell yeah. And the kids would just play with it. She's like, yeah, I grew up playing with the Ouija board. And I'm like, that's so, it's, it's, I don't know, like, <laughs> like I feel like the Catholics are specifically not fans of the occult. They're but very, sure. They're very historically anti-magic. <laughs> right? But here we are. Thousands of individuals for various reasons were persecuted and killed in Europe for alleged witchcraft as well as here in the States. So spiritualism, not exactly something you want to get involved with at that time. (laughs) During the industrial era um, in America, lots of things were changing. Things were moving forward, but there were also a lot of drawbacks to us creating these big cities with lots of people crammed into... Small buildings and... <laughs> Pave paradise. Put yeah. up a parking lot, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> but this was definitely an era an era of new ideas and discovery. We have new scientific discoveries. There is a lot of very pertinent uh, like literature that comes out of this time period. Yeah, this was around the time when they realized women have orgasms. So right? it's a big time for them. Yeah, I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> and we also see a lot more intersections of culture and people are talking with each other and changing perspectives and beliefs start to expand. So you'd say it's kind of a renaissance in the spiritualism kind of community at uh-huh. this point. And also because Christianity is not super great about comforting people about death. No. So people are <laughs> taking that discomfort in the grief. Like think about it this way. The Victorian era also has all this like really fun stuff. Like for example, like lacrimosas. What's a, okay. a lacrimosa is a little vial that you would put on a necklace and you, every time someone died, you would cry your tears into it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like, and you know, the, like, you know how like aggressive Victorian mourning garb is, Yes. <laughs> you know? So, and, and people are so moody motherfuckers. Yeah, like you said, they are moody motherfuckers. So people like, there's this sort of obsession with death that we see in this time period. True. But also... When people die, especially young people, like children, and I, like, my own personal experiences notwithstanding, like, that is something that I totally understand when a young person dies and the church just said it was their time to go, God has a reason for everything. You just want to flip the table and be like, what reason? (laughs) My guy. Yeah. So, spiritualism... And other sort of occult and go- like paranormal-based religions offers something a little more enticing. Yeah. Contact with your loved ones is being one of those things. With that kind of contact, I think also comes with this understanding of like some sort of afterlife, mm-hmm. which is comforting to folks. So 
to have that be more tangible than say like it's all part of God's plan is attractive. It really, yeah, it's a lot better. One of the other things that really pushed the spiritualism movement forward was actually the invention of photography. Interesting. Because, like I said, I showed you that photo. Yeah. That's like of a ghost. <laughs> sure. But that's sort of what they did is they... They hung out for three minutes to get that, yeah. to get that in there. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the cool things that Allegra mentions here in her notes is like spiritualism like was bridge with the with the the use of photography for them to be like see look mm-hmm. do you see what i see it try they're trying to bridge the gap between science and like this religious belief that people have it's a brand new technology and it and they were like it allows us to see what is unseen and some you know you can capture a moment and it also like it became very popular like around the civil war because people were like, oh shit, I can see what's actually going on on the battlefield. So people were already really fascinated by photography. Yeah. And this sort of new thing that we were able to do. So it allowed people to sort of have their minds open and be like, what else can I see? Plate photography also is really fucking cool. Like those old, like school plate photography that you see sometimes in museums. It's like... We have one. You do? Oh, yeah, you do. Yep. Yeah, I really love it. Yeah, it's so Allegra cool. got one done when we went to the Victoria. The, so the Victoria Mansion used to do a Victorian fair. And Allegra, there was a guy doing the tin types, which actually when we were at the, um, when we were over at the Common Ground Fair, there was also a guy doing tin types. Oh, like, But it was okay. like a whole company. I don't think it was, it wasn't the same guy that did it um, for us. I don't know if he is in the area anymore. But tintype photography is fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, it's really cool. It's so cool. But the, yeah, we have we have one of Allegra, and she's like in in the garb in the garb. So she looks in place. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell. You could freak out future generations and be like, "This is a, the ghost of your grandmother." The ghost of your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not sure if you knew this, but over seven hundred fifty thousand men died in the Civil War, and hundreds of their families were not. Oh, they weren't able to be reunited with their loved ones. They weren't able to see their bodies. There's no closure. Southern uh, Reconstruction was pretty bad overall. Yeah. yeah. So the rise of spiritualism definitely it came at this juncture as well, where we are going through mass grief, mm. and it allowed people to talk to their loved ones quote-unquote, talk to their loved ones yeah. that they did not get to say goodbye to, that's, really. That's so depressing, man. Because I know it's like, that's going to be full of like grifters at that point, you know? It's going to be a lot of people like, yeah, I can connect you with your dead son that died in oh, you know, Antioch. <laughs> yep. Many photographs were produced during this time. They, um, and they were spirit photographs. And one of the most notable spirit photographers is William H. Mulmer. Mumler? Mumler. 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 I like Mumler. Mumler. So Allegra has a bit here that says he produced portraits that had ghostly images in the background or near the person being photographed. The former first lady, Mary Todd Lincoln, was one of Mulmer's 
famous clients. She visited him after her husband's murder, about five years after his death, and his uh, his photograph of her had an image of Abraham Lincoln behind her with his hands on her shoulders. Weird. Freaking weird. Did you ever see... Okay, speaking... I wasn't going to bring it up because it Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be immediately pertinent, but um, have you ever seen the photograph of... Oh my God, there it is. (laughs) Holy shit, there's the photograph. (laughs) Your wife, uh, yeah, Allegra put a bunch of images in here. I, yeah, I don't know about that one, babe. <laughs> His face is all fucked up in this photo, kind of. Yeah. His face doesn't seem long enough, actually. Yeah, it feels very short. Very short. Um, what were you going to say? Sorry. So what I was going to say, so there is a famous, um, it's actually in the Natural Portrait Gallery right now. And uh, there's a old, like, plate photograph of abraham lincoln and it was taken i think like maybe like a month or two before his death Mm -hmm. and the plate is actually cracked in a unique way where the crack starts from where the bullet entered his head wow yeah it's pretty wild um but also it's like i think one of the last photos of abraham lincoln so very interesting. Shit. Okay, cool. I like that. <laughs> this, Allegra says, of course, this attracted many skeptics because photo manipulation has always been synonymous with photography. I'm not sure if you also know, have you ever heard of the, um, ugh, fuck, what are they? The, the fairies. There was like a, these two girls in the English oh, country. Oh, yes, actually. With the fairies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's always that, like, we think of, like, Photoshop, but, yeah, photo manipulation has always been an art form. Yeah. And people have been doing it since the inception of photography. Yeah. This, okay, I will say this little photo here of Mary Todd uh, looks really fucking fake. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Monceau, the curator of American Religious History at the Smithsonian Institute, Institution's National Museum of American History says Mulmer was surely a fraud, although he doesn't know exactly how he managed his trick. Fair. Yeah, no, that's interesting because um, layering pictures probably wasn't a very common practice at this time, but it had to been something of that caliber. Also, if you're developing thing, like, I don't know exactly how they develop it either. Like, what the science is of developing photo, early photos. It was like... But you can, a lot can go wrong. And you can have weird exposure and things like that. Yeah, like, at the early, early point of that photography, I think it was something along the lines of, like, the flash goes off and gives you everything that you need to start developing the photograph. But the subject has to sit still and not smile because that could Mm -hmm. mess with like how the photo looks. They have to sit there for like three minutes or something like that. I also just realized something else that like going back really quick to like the Victorians being obsessed with photographs, death photographs. Oh yeah. They just (laughs) prop people up and take photos of them. They're not moving. (laughs) (laughs) Very easy to develop that one. Yeah, so that's just another thing. I swear, I swore to God we'd get one decent fucking photo of you before you died, but... That, sadly, we weren't able to accomplish one part of that. <laughs> yeah, BBC says spiritualism was so popular, not just because it could entertain and provide comfort to the believer, but also because it seemed to combine the empirical methods and discoveries of science, such as the invisible force of electricity, Ooh. with the religious idea of the afterlife. Uh, uh, yeah, Frankenstein-esque situation. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Fox sisters? No, actually. 
So Kate and Maggie, Mar- or Margareta, went by Maggie Fox, were ages 11 and 14 in March 1848 in New York. They would use wrappings on the wall to convince their parents and neighbors to send them to live with their older sister, Leah, because they they convinced everybody that we're talking to spirits. <laughs> so um, they were like, we want to go live with Leah. And so they basically were like, this house is haunted and we're communicating with the spirits. So they did. They sent um, Kate and Maggie to live with their sister, Leah, who then cultivated their careers as successful mediums of the time. Uh-oh, at ages 14 and 11. Yeah. Yes. In, later in 1888, Margareta confessed that their wrappings had been a hoax and publicly demonstrated their methods, but like they, like they toured. The country, okay? That's one thing that you need yeah. to know. Okay, 1888. They had a solid 40 years of yes. this bullshit. Yep. They made their money. <laughs> they made their money, so it was very easy to just... Uh, she then tried to recant her confession later in, in the next year, but by then their reputation was ruined, and within five years of her saying, you know, confessing, her and both of her sisters were dead. <laughs> oh, God. So Margareta and Kate died in abject poverty despite the fact that you know, they kind of founded spiritualism and spiritualism only grew after that. But because they fucked up their reputation, they they lost everything. Interesting. Allegra says she, what she finds personally interesting is that their beginnings in Rochester, New York, were a religious... Uh, their beginnings in New York were a religious reform and considered to be a spiritual hot, z- hot zone in the same vicinity that gave birth to Mormonism and Millerism. The precursor to Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, charlatans every one of them. (laughs) Sorry, Mormons. So this is from uh, another bit from history. Now, the Fox sisters may have been the beginning of spiritualism in America, but Emma Hardage Britton was the religion's biggest advocate. She was born in England in 1823, and from a young age, she demonstrated a talent as a singer, musician, and actress. Her first trip to America was for a role on Broadway in New York City, where she met spiritualist Horace Day. This changed the trajectory of Emma's life. She became a spiritualist and began to work as a medium and trance lecturer. One of her most famous spirit communications was with a deceased sailor who had died when his ship had sunk a few weeks earlier. Emma knew details about the ship and the sinking that only someone with firsthand knowledge would know. I'm a privateer, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And as a child, I guess Emma seemed to have the ability to see the futures of people she encountered. She would see visions along with information about deceased loved ones that she had no prior knowledge of. And she would preemptively play songs on her piano, which audience members were thinking of requesting. Okay. So she'd be like, aha, I see you over there. I see someone wants one of the top 40s hits. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) So she traveled extensively through America, Britain, Australia, and New Zealand to promote spiritualism. So, like, this is a worldwide thing. She used her many talents to hook people. She wrote books. She was considered a leading historian on the subject. Her writings included how to conduct a seance and how to investigate mediums for fraud. How ironic. All of them. How, I guess the way to convince people you aren't a fraud is to say, I'll help you find the frauds. That is really good. Like, 
like say if I murdered some or, or like we we saw this in a in a recent murder case where it was like oh well this person helped with the murder investigations so they yeah. probably didn't murder that person no <laughs> I think it's like the police investigating themselves I also wanted to double check because no not that I think it was Sir Arthur yeah Sir I think it's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle like in his the later part of his life he's the one who wrote sherlock holmes ah. he spent the rest of his life like trying to debunk spiritualism. spiritualism i love that like and he would go and like meet with mediums i'm fairly certain it was him if it's not i'm an idiot but <laughs> you're good <laughs> no one needs to know she was a emma was a born entertainer she used her skills during these skills that she had you know she was an actress she yeah had grifter the, yep she would use these skills during her demonstrations, lectures, and seances. She used her platform as a spiritualist to share her views on slavery and the plight of the poor and women's rights. So is it all bad? I suppose not. I mean, it's like fooling people for the good, which yeah. I mean, people are out there fooling people for evil. So might as well fool them for good if we're yeah. at it. I love this Allegra section. This is seance. It ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> What When you say the word seance, what comes to mind? With the help of big time media, we have a big <laughs> reference point, dark rooms, people sitting around in the table, holding hands. The medium calls upon the spirits to enter the room. Spooky noises fill the air. Objects and people may become possessed and float and do lots of fun things. Grim grinning ghosts come out <laughs> before so your eyes. They come out to socialize. Come out to socialize. Oh, thank you for correcting me. You're welcome. I love <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> there was no common electricity in homes. Rooms would be lit by oil lamps, which could trick the eye. Allegra said, as much as I am a believer in spirits and the other realms, a big acknowledgement, of course, is that, in fact, mediums during this point were frauds. They would use darkly lit, uh, you know, the rooms were darkly lit, hidden assistance, phosphorus to make objects glow in the dark, and other crafty ways were curated to make a believer out of many skeptics. To many, though, in the same breath, these seances were a fun form of entertainment, and as previously said, they were a demonstration, and they it, it would also demonstrate like the kind like the use of phosphorus to make things glow. Like it's a science experiment, <laughs> and we have unseen things like electricity and photography, and it's really stimulating the minds of the people of the time. It was a fascinating religious movement, a combination of the half like what's going on, and it. it it very much is a reflection of the time period. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be explored, but Allegra says this was a little contribution towards this story in this episode for Homegrown Horror. She did also want me to mention there is a mini podcast series called Ghost Church that explores American spiritualism. If you're interested, she hasn't listened to it yet, but it's only nine episodes. It's a little condensed thing. Now, all of that to say, you're probably like, Brittany, why the fuck are we talking about spiritualism? Well, here's the thing. So I said that her brother, so um, we're talking Edwin. about Mary Howe, yeah. and her brother Edwin Howe, they were big spiritualists. But also, Mary became a very famous medium. Oh, good. Very famous. <laughs> yeah, she became a very famous medium. And she would go into trances mm. that would last from a few hours to a couple days where she would be able to talk to people and make predictions and you know all the things that go with this you know this this religion 
and she would do it in the at, at their at the Howe house. Mm-hmm. And so people would come. She was very well known. And she never married. She ended up just she was she ended up working also as a seamstress. So the real story begins when she is in her 50s. Oh. When so she's had a career. She's had a career. So yeah. in 1882. Mm-hmm. So this is actually three. Uh, six years. Six years before the Fox sisters are like, we're frauds. Right. One night, Mary slipped into a trance. And she didn't wake up. Ooh, that's not a trance. That's called being dead. <laughs> so a week went by. And still in that trance? She's still in that trance. Mm, okay. And people start talking and they're kind of like, you know, I think think she's dead this time. <laughs> we think she died. But something that's very interesting is that she did not show the signs of death. Her she pulse, was, she was, her heart was beating. What was going on? So she wasn't stanking. Two weeks later, no smell, no stank, no lividity. Interesting. She's pliable, and her body is warm. That's weird. Okay, okay. But two physicians came out and were like, "Ah, she did." Okay, well, she did. Well, then they say she did. They're like, she's dead. They're like, she doesn't seem to be breathing and she doesn't have a pulse. But what do we have, like, what do we have to say about the fact that she's, they they admit she is still warm. They said she's still warm. These she's two still physicians warm. said she's still she warm. She is pliable. <laughs> okay. There's no rigor mortis, which sets in eight hours after death. And this is two weeks later. Why is Edwin microwaving Mary? <laughs> <laughs> which... Some articles do say that he would use uh, warm stones to, like, make sure she didn't get cold. I don't know if that is enough to... To, like, keep her warm for that extended period of time. If she was dead. Yeah. And also, I feel like if he was keeping her warm and she was dead, that would speed up decomp. Yeah, But there's no decomp. And she also still has color in her face. <laughs> so weird. Okay. There is a historian from the area called Harold Kastner and his aunt Laura actually witnessed Mary's state. And we have people who were like, yeah, she... Shit's crazy, man. Everyone was like, she still seems alive. So this the this guy Harold is like yeah my aunt was like no she's alive weird her and her husband were both like yeah we think she's alive but Doctor Robert Dixon who is a government appointed physi- appointed physician pronounced her dead and Edwin was like no 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 she's not dead she's not dead please do not do what you're about to do but they do it. So they take well, of course. <laughs> they take Mary and Dr. Dixon is assisted by the county sheriff and an undertaker. They go to Howe House with a wooden coffin. They put it in, nail her shut, and no one knows where she's buried. No one marked her grave? No. 
Okay, we have record of Mary Howe actually existing. Yep. Okay. The rest of... So... Very There's strange. also no record of her burial. <sighs> they just... That's weird. I feel like they would inform them. Didn't they have... It, wasn't this around the time where they kept still kept little bells on graves? I'm not sure how long that continued. Yeah. One of the things that is also mentioned in um, the Bangor... There's a Bangor Daily News article, and it is mentioned that it appeared that this undertaker also was not from Deramascata. They brought someone in. So this guy may have just taken the body? Oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like that. So three people just waddled off with the body. Um, yeah, it says in uh, in the book, Haunted Deramascata, it says that a grave had been dug by, dug by out-of-town grave diggers who didn't know the circumstances of the burial. When these grave diggers learned of the situation, they refused to participate any longer. Working alone into the night, the two county officials lowered the box into the pit, covered it with sod, and then worked to conceal the grave so that those who believed that Mary would still were still were was still living would not try to dig her up. Okay, so this was sort of a explanation as to why there might not be a headstone or a marking. Which... Okay, but also, like, there's a lot of, we- it's weird. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit it's weird. here. It's weird. Um, because you at least think that they would, there would be a record that they were like, yeah, she died, we pronounced her dead this time, and we buried her. Like, I don't think that her brother has access to, like, city records, so I don't know why... I think it's really weird that there was literally no record of where they put her. And I feel like it would be very obvious where they would have put her at this time. Yeah. Like, so I don't there, know. Something, something's off with these records is yeah, all I there's, feel like. And the thing is, like, the only information where we think she might be comes from anecdotes. <sighs> yeah. People at the time thought that she was buried in Glidden Cemetery, but there are two... <laughs> There's two Glidden's? There's two Glidden's. There's Glidden's. Oh, yeah, it's a Glidden. There's Glidden Street Cemetery. What a fucking guess, man. That's two places. But there is also Glidden Cemetery, which is on River Road in Newcastle. The fuck? Okay. So we don't know. We still don't know where she is. But we know she was a person. She lived. She died. Mm-hmm. And... And our assumptions, I guess, at this point is that someone fucking took her, which is gross. Yep. Um, or the incompetence of actually marking her and like letting that be known is just amazing here. Yeah. So Greg Latmer, who is a the author of Haunted Deramascata, Ghost Cities of the Twin Villages and Beyond, he said that her brother was beside himself and... It, it's not like they, he says, it's not like he could fake her being alive. The symptoms of post-mortem lividity are really hard to hide. Everyone, like people went in, they touched her and there are countless witnesses that say like, she wasn't showing signs of death. <laughs> you know, I think Edwin was probably trying to milk a few extra dollars out of this situation. <laughs> I really do think this, I don't know. I think everyone's full of shit. <laughs> yep. The other fun thing about Greg Latmer, so he is trying to find 
Mary's final resting place. Cool. This is also the guy that is trying to figure out who the Lady of the Dusk was. Oh, interesting. This guy has a, like, a, a very long to-do list we is what this I'm learning. We should get this freak on the pod. I'd love to talk to him. Yeah. Because he's written a lot. He has written a lot of haunt, books about hauntings in, in, the, in, um, in that area. So was she buried alive? Or... Were they kind of like, I, I sort of see where they could be like, we don't want people to go dig her up. Mm-hmm. Maybe not just her brother and her other siblings, but also any other raging spiritualists in the area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know... It's hard to say. It's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of evidence, like not evidence. There's a lot of witness testimony (laughs) that makes me really be like, what? It's weird. I get you, but like, I don't know where this witness testimonies come from. I can't, we can't confirm. We can't because these people, these people are all dead, but their family member, like I said, there's the the guy who he's. He's a, a town historian and his aunt, you know, testified this. I don't know if he's any good and I don't know how reliable that aunt is. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Laura, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, Aunt Laura. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really, I mean, yeah, I think that Edwin must have set up an elaborate situation to like, Which... fool a lot of people. At least, or he paid some dudes off. That's kind of also what I'm thinking is that he's paying some people off oh, to keep keep the good thing rolling, you know? Yeah. Like, I could see this because this is probably pretty lucrative for the Mary Howe is unknown and pretty good medium, according to people at this time, right? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, he would probably be the only person that would know if she kicked it or not, you know? Absolutely. So... The Howe House is now Clark Apartments. Good. (laughs) And you can rent... No. You can rent a room. What's the The Mystical Mary Howe Room in downtown Damariscotta. Oh, it's a fucking Airbnb. Uh 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 You're stealing housing from people that need it. So I wanted let people live in this to ghost point this room. out. It says this spacious studio apartment is perfect for relaxing after a day of exploring the beautiful Demariscotta and the surrounding communities. Situated on the third floor of one of Demariscotta's many historical buildings, this apartment consists of a large living room area with a kitchenette and a separate large bedroom with a bath. Parking is right next to the building, and a key will be provided for your apartment. Literally this, nothing about that. that, that oh. This two hundred year old structure was originally in an, an inn in the early eighteen hundreds known as the Howe Tavern. Ooh. It is was at this time that Mary Howe, the daughter of the innkeeper, gave seances at the inn. Her spiritual powers were legendary and contributed to many ghost stories over the years since her untimely and mysterious death. For more, uh, Find more information about Mary Howe and her fascination with the paranormal at our local library, located right next door. Enjoy your stay, and don't be surprised if some friendly spooks come to visit. Well, Allegra and I hate this painting, though. <laughs> That's an awful painting. And it says, could this be the mysterious Mary Howe? Her spirit will keep you company during your stay in the house. Looks like it was made with crayon. It does. I would also uh, like to point out something that's really interesting is after 
the house siblings sold the building and they were updating it. They did plumbers as they were renovating, they found tubes and wires in the walls. Ah. So charlatans. Could, could that be could that have been used to, you know, do some of these fun tricks? Cuz again, something that's interesting with spiritualism is they used science to trick people into believing in the paranormal. Yeah. So that could be cool, but Latmer says was it may have been used for enhanced communication with the dead. Sure. So we have some questions. The thing is, I think one thing that I, I kind of find interesting is I would like to know where she's buried. Mm-hmm. We could totally exhume her and see if there are claw marks on the inside. <laughs> like they, like you do. Like Or, okay, yeah, so we're going to engage in this and... Uh, we're going to get some shovels, some pickaxes. We're going to find this Mary. And uh, what if, though, we dig her up and she's just still warm. Oh, my warm. God. She's still, still warm. warm. She just looks the same. No levity. And, uh, yeah, she looks fine. In that case, I'd be very concerned. But I also thought it might be fun. Do you want to rent this room? I literally do. I saw the <laughs> price that's entirely doable. We could totally host our own seance in here and try to... Uh, wake up Mary or Edwin or whatever. <laughs> Whoever's in there. Yeah. But that is the story and some info about Mary Howe and I think the fascinating grip that spiritualism had on not only the United States, but apparently on Demariscotta, Maine. <laughs> Who would have thunk it, you know? I it's guess kind it, of fucking crazy. I guess it was huge enough. There, so it's like every little town had their own spiritualist that you could go talk to, you know. But Jeez. but it's yeah, it kind of makes sense then. Like why it was so full of grifters then, because it was kind of a low bar of entry of like what you could make it up as you go. Basically, spiritualism seems sort of undefined as far as like a theological text or rules associated. Yeah, there is no, like it's interesting because it's a religion, but like quote unquote religion. Yeah. Is it a religion? If you're just talking to dead people, like you're not believing anything. You're just talking to spirits. But like there are people that were like hardcore. Yeah. But then some other kind of philosophy would have to formulate around it to try to make sense of it. That yeah. is true. Yeah, it's but it is fascinating. I think it's really cool. This is a cool, uh, interesting. I know. Little like I've 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 had a, a couple things. Like I've I've learned about the Fox sisters before. Um, they're cool. <laughs> they're <laughs> really, it's, it's, their story is kind of fascinating. I'm also just double checking. No, that's this. It, no, it is interesting. I mean, like they had a 40 year history of doing this uh, across the country. Like yep. they, yes, it they perfected was. their their thing to a point where it's like you could tour with it. It was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He had a long-standing interest in mystical subjects that were made fascinated by the idea of paranormal phenomena, though the strength of his belief in reality waxed and waned over the years. But yeah, that was one of the things that he would do. He would attend seances. He would do experiments in telepathy, sit with mediums, and... It, it it's just fascinating that yeah. this is what he decided to do after like Sherlock Holmes was like done and dusted. Right, right. That it's like he was gonna dedicate his life's work to just <laughs> disproving this, which I really like it. I yeah. like that admirability. Don't look at that. <laughs> uh, um But Well, you know what else has seen a lot of the world? 
Our next mainism. Hey, hey, it's a mainism. B, you're going to like this. I actually, I found this very fascinating. And uh, I'd like to thank, I got this from Roadside America. Because uh, Maine is full of a lot of random little weird roadside attractions. Uh, But did you know that Presque Isle is actually a location for the first cross at transatlantic balloon uh what movement <laughs> what did i just say <laughs> what did you just say so presque isle has a little monument dedicated to the first crossing of the atlantic via hot air balloon okay. um, so is it the actual balloon no so it's a tiny little monument as you can oh. see here it's just mostly the only thing that looks like the balloon is this little balloon portion, but it's actually not a very tall monument. But the site of where this little monument is built was the site of where the balloon first took off. So So it took off in Presque Isle? It took off in Presque Isle and went to Misery, France. Fuck. Yeah. So they traveled. It was in, also, get this, like, you think hot air balloon shenanigans. I would think we would be talking about something in the like mid-1800s where we were just at. This happened, this record happened in 1978. Where the Double Eagle 2, that was the It name. took that long to have a hot air balloon. So around the world, right. many days didn't fucking happen. It didn't fucking happen. So. But like right, like 78... It, which kind of makes me laugh. It's like, at this point, this is a record that you're trying to break. The fucking, like, hot air balloon was built in, like, the mid-1800s. And we're, like, over 100 years later. Actually, it was, like, 1780s, I think, that the hot air balloon was first invented. And now we're, like, yeah, way longer than that. Almost 200 years at this point, And we're now just crossing the Atlantic. But it was 137 hours and six minutes to land in Misery, France. It spanned about 3,000... Misery. Misery. Like, See that? Like the word misery. You can, The way you're saying it, my brain is translating it into Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like misery, but there's an E in there. Yeah. <laughs> misery. Misery. Uh, actually, that's probably the Misery. proper pronunciation. Misery. Ooh, there you go. Misery. Hung out with enough French Canadians to pick something up. Yeah, my grandmother speaks French. <laughs> oh, perfect. 3,099 miles to do this. B, why would anybody waste their time doing this? Like, it's so... I'm sure it was... Hot a, air balloon I, isn't I'm hot sh- at this point. No, I'm sure it was a rich millionaire that was like, I've got nothing better to do. Were there people in it? Oh, yeah, for sure. There were definitely people in it. There was a crew in there. And I feel bad for them because that's like... They they took off like April 11th, landed on April 17th. That's a good fucking six days. You're just in a basket. In, in the air. Hovering in the air. How do you... I wonder how you drive those things. You don't. You have to follow air currents. So... So it's science. It's science that's driving the hot air balloon. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Yeah, they would have to, like, understand the wind currents that were happening at this time. Make sure there's no, like, kerfuffles maybe along the way. There's probably a lot of risk to doing this. But, yeah, they just have to drift along all the way over to France. It's wild. So, I thought that this was a really stupid record. Was Uh, it ever broken? No, actually. Um, I mean, as far as, like, speed, I don't believe it was. 
here's another list of dumb world records that's <laughs> that make it seem like that this is actually something worthwhile that you would okay. do. Cycling backwards with a violin, uh, Christian Adams cycled 60 kilometers in five hours and nine minutes while sitting on the handlebars facing the seat, which had been converted into a music stand. Uh, most snails on face. A young boy put 43 live snails on his face. Someone crushed uh, eggs with their head. They crushed 80 eggs. Um, I feel like I could do that. Yeah. There's another one. Most people brushing their teeth simultaneously. <laughs> Largest collection of six bags for those that give a shit. It's about 6,000 six bag, sick bags. Longest ear hair. Gross. Largest smurf meeting ever. Is there are people dressed up as smurfs, not actual smurfs. <laughs> For those that might be confused. Most married person. 23 times. At the same time? No, I don't believe so. Damn I it. think it's consecutively. Next question. Divorce or death? Ooh, that's a good question. We should see how many uh, husbands a... fell I need down to... the stairs. I, I know, yeah. I need to know, is she a black widow? I think by the 22nd, she's just kind of like, I got to break the record. So it's like, yeah. I got to figure out how to get rid of this guy. <laughs> Highest jump by a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Hardest kick in the groin. Anyway, how wait? How do you determine that? Probably like you have a, like you can measure impact. Okay. With some kind of sensors, like in MythBusters, you know, you oh, can yeah. like measure the I'm trauma. I'm just thinking of like when we go to round one, they have the punching bag. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Try that. Uh, all this to say, those make flying across the Atlantic in 1978 with a fucking balloon a little bit more sane. So I agree. If you if your life's ambition is to do something crazy like that or start a podcast or whatever, world's just fucking longest do it. running podcast about Maine. <laughs> We're gonna get there. We have so. We're coming for you. All of the other ones have <laughs> 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 been here way longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I hope you like that. So yeah. go to Prescott. Check out the balloon. Contemplate life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, add it to your list of roadside attractions in Maine that we're going to visit, including the uh, Mary Howe Room <laughs> in Demarscada. Yeah. I feel like I'm saying it stupidly, Demarscada. Demarscada. That's where Anna was born. I should, uh, yeah. But you, yeah, you don't um, need to know I, I nothing. Don't, I don't need to know things. Is it near Bangor, Maine? I think I told you I hate the fact that in it he says banger. Yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> That's the beauty well, of reading it uh, on text right now. Oh, I know, but my I don't have enough time. I know, my... I hear you. Also, we didn't hear back from the dish people, so I don't think we got it. Oh, shit. It has been past the 30th. Yeah. yeah we did not get it. I don't think we got it. Sorry, listeners. Go write an angry review at dish. We will, too. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Hello, homies. Our sources for today are onlyinyourstate.com, the Bangor Daily News, Penobscot Bay Pilot, Strange New England Podcast, and Airbnb. Our section on spiritualism is brought to you by History Is Now magazine, the History Channel bbc.co.uk and the Smithsonian Magazine. If you have an interest in spiritualism, I'm going to drop those uh, sources down below so you can read a little bit more. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again soon.
You can reach out to us on our Twitter at HGHPod or on our Instagram at HomegrownHorrorPod. We hope to see you again soon.